It's been a while since we recorded an episode in person, but we are back and we've got... It's, it's cool to see her trade. You know, she's world traveling. So you know, oh my God. Yeah. Travel blog. Hashtag explore, explore page. Um. <laughs> uh, so what, you went to your first big diabetes conference as part of your new diabetes gig? Yes. Uh, what's that like? Um, friend. Uh, the ATTD conference was really, really fun. I got to go with the Diatribe Foundation. It's really interesting to be a patient in a room where people are talking about the medical advancements of your disease. And I hate to admit this on the podcast, but I was a conspiracy theorist. I thought diabetes was never going to be cured and that people were just keeping the cure from us. But then going to this conference, I got to meet a lot of people that have actually been like dedicating their lives to find the cure for diabetes and seeing how some of the money is being used even from places that i was like uh, like jdrf they use their money for really good stuff so i mean it was just yeah, interesting that was something even people who are critical of jdrf have acknowledged more recently publicly which i think is good is when diabetes is cured jdrf will be responsible for most of it the work that they're doing is it's great yeah we just don't ever hear it as patients because we're always on the fundraising side or just always in the, I think that also as patients, we have this, for people who have been diagnosed for a while, we don't even want to think about the cure anymore. Because it's like, it's not, it's not, it's not happening in our lifetime. So it's easier for us to just wrap them, our minds around, it's not happening at all. And maybe being even pessimistic about it instead of realizing that there's all this work that's happening and we might see it in our lifetime. I, maybe we'll be really old, but. <laughs> yeah, but I think too, uh cure because some people are like well insulin it's like, well, it's not a cure because it's like you've got to manage that it's expensive <laughs> other places have that figured out not the US. so i think at the same time we're getting into advanced hyperclosed loop options where now you're going to have more advanced algorithms where your mental burden mm -hmm. is sort of relieved people are getting a cgm on day one like right discharge from hospital, which is mm -hmm. awesome so, like, the difference between when you and I were diagnosed or people even 20 years before us, 40 years before us, is so different now. And that's good. So, it's not a cure necessarily, but all that information is improving lives of people with diabetes ongoing. So, and eventually, like, we will... Absolutely. Yeah, no, and I think that there's also, there's this... Um it's not just about the cure, right? So it's about access to the right devices. And there's this huge conversation happening right now about time and range and the change between A1C to time and range. And we're going to talk about this later in the pod. But, <laughs> but at ATDD, uh, it was really cool to be working somewhere where like they helped put together 50 of the key opinion leaders in the world so that they could talk about that specifically so that they could try to get change and regulation so that people with type 2 later on can have more access to CGMs. And I think that kind of stuff is like... Maybe I'm a diabetic nerd now, but I think that kind of stuff's so cool. Like, well, I think that was one of the things that I had basically the same experience at ADA conference going back to 2018, and I think you could see as a patient like, oh, all these people who are really informed about what they're like, but then also key opinion leaders, like you were saying, like leaders from all these different companies and labs and all that, all come together to talk to each other. Yeah. Or even like doctors who their entire career for 50 years has been that, like endocrinology. Yeah. But yeah. Um, you said something really interesting, though, that I think is a good segue. When we were talking about like closed loop and how that really helps with the mental burden of diabetes. And I feel like that's a conversation that we've been having a lot this month with it being Mental Health Awareness Month and all your little videos that you've been making. <laughs> uh, the videos. I'm deep in the content minds. I'm just uh, I'm going in and I, I think for a while, 
was just in pandemic hangover, and I think I still am to an extent, and like, even my language, I try to be really conscious of, like, we are still in the pandemic era. Right. It was having a really hard time. I was overthinking and overproducing, and just like really feeling burdened by making stuff. And I just sort of had a moment where I was on a content trip with my team at Recreation, and I made a little dumb reel, and it did really well. And I was like, "Oh, like the gas station one, yeah, yeah, the one where you're literally pumping gas, like <laughs> you're just standing there being tall." <laughs> so I kind of have my little reels where it's like a short video, long text, like that's kind of my like thing, and. It's been fun to just get back in the room. Erica, my wife, has been helping me a lot with it. And, uh, so yeah, we're experimenting with making videos. And as you guys know, on social media, you see a lot more reels now, a lot more videos on Instagram, on TikTok, because that's just where media has shifted. So all the views are coming from reels, so we're gonna have to make reels. And that's been hard for creators who, yeah. like me, I used to just post cool pictures. That was my deal. And now how do we evolve to more video a different skill set and uh, a different frame of reference, different frame of mind. But now it's like, oh, well, I can just make a quick little thing about my ladies being and make it relatable. And that's been a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, they're good. The mental health ones have been really helpful. I think especially it must be nice for men to see themselves being represented in kitschy little memes. Those are cute. You know, like we were talking about this in our diabetes meeting. Women are doing the heavy lifting. I've been talking about that since I wrote the article for Beyond Tech One. Like the first thing I ever did for them was talk about how you know what it means to be a man with diabetes. That was kind right. of like intro that I forgot about that until just now. But the thing I say in that is that women do a great job of being vulnerable and opening them up to their journey. And guys just aren't kind of wired that way sometimes. Right. So yeah, it's important to hear like you, know, you see the ice tub videos, you see the, the basketball videos and like the cool cars and the, and the stuff and the entrepreneur stuff, but also like there's mental health stuff and there's, it's not all rainbows and butterflies and it's not all easy. Positivity and yeah. being the best and not being mid. It's sometimes being mid. <laughs> sometimes that's just, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's been fun to, to get into it. You're right. It's mental awareness month. Yeah. Diabetes and mental health are so closely intertwined. We've got some people coming up on the podcast to do that. I made a YouTube video about it. It's, I mean, the JDRF asked me to come speak about it uh, at a JDRF internal meeting. And it really made me think, like, oh, man, we are all depressed and we're all anxious. Yeah. Because, you know, when you live with diabetes, it's very hard to be in the present because you're always thinking about, well, what did I eat? What did I dose? What will I eat? What will I dose? Like, what do I have to do later? And it's just the constant battle and like flipping in those, those windshield wipers back and forth. So I don't know, it was an important thing for me to, to do and I'm really glad that uh, we're able to talk about it. Well, as the con- content machine keeps pushing out content, you mentioned the ice tub. I want to talk about this because this, this ice tub is driving me, it's driving me crazy. So you have all these videos, you've got your family members in this tub. Talk about the ice tub, Rob. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to continue to do more ISO content. Uh, I have my sister and my mom. We even got Erica to get in on it. Oh, my God. So, like, she got in and fixed a little peer pressure. So shout out to my mom and my sister. My mom, like, literally just plopped right in the first day. Like, was in absolute pain, just, like, face. And then she started breathing. And then she, like, settled herself in. I was like, oh, that's not bad. Go for my mom in, like, 30 seconds. She, like, found her center. Is that the video you posted? Yeah? The video's out there. Like, she just fought through it and then settled in and did her thing. Uh, and I, I think, you know, I get a lot of my good qualities 
Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, so yeah, ice dev. Why did I get an ice dev? Uh, over the past five years or so, I, I discovered Wim Hof about five years ago. Okay, yeah, that's the guy who's like, take cold showers. That's, yeah, yeah. That's, that's that guy. That's like level one of the Wim Hof. System. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so Wim Hof is this guy, and he's a Dutch, and he's a PhD researcher, amazing dude. Okay. His wife uh, committed suicide, uh, or, or, or died by suicide, in, in maybe 20 years ago. God, this story got really dark really fast. Uh, sorry, and <laughs> he was working with her, and like they loved each other, and he, he, she was his great love, and he found himself, you know, they were unable to cure her bipolar disorder, and she was unable to find balance with her with her in her mind and he felt compelled to try to find and dedicate his life to finding something that could have helped her yeah could help other people so along the way he discovers cold immersion therapy um and since that day he's like a guinness with the world right he has like 15 guinness with the world records right staying in ice hours he worked with david blaine on this thing okay he climbed everest with no shirt on he no shirt He's an absolute man. You look at it. He wants to join his wife. Like, what is he doing? He's crazy. You know? and, and, you know, his kids are, like, on this thing. They've created this platform, the system. And he's been on Joe Rogan. He's been on Tim Ferriss and all, the yeah. and all these things. But his belief is that cold is the, the uh, responses that you get from cold version can heal your body, heal your brain, heal your mind. Uh, and for me, that resonated with me because when I was young, uh, and it would be winter. We had a pool at my house growing up, and, and my dad would like me to go put my legs in the cold water for sports, like recover. So, like cold tubs and ice therapy is something in athletics that's very common. Yeah. And whether it's like works or not, you don't really know, but it makes you feel good. And so, you know, when I twist an ankle over the years, I'd have an ice bucket at the house. Or if I was just my feet hurt, I'd put the ice bucket. My senior year of college, my buddies then Brandon Luke and I, after practice, we got an ice tub that year. Uh, training room and I got in it with them after practice every day and I think if I hadn't have done that I would not have made it through like my body was just breaking down at that level yeah um, so over the years I was like okay well how can I get this in my house uh, <laughs> I made a video a few years ago uh, real ones will remember uh, at my apartment pool with my buddy Casey we like in the winter time we like went out to the pool and jumped in like while it was freezing cold um so that was like my fix back then, but during the summer, the water's hot. And yeah. Texas, even when you're going to do cold shower, the pipes are so warm that the water uh, on cold really isn't even that. So I talked to Erica and over the years, and like I've researched all these things, and I looked up the DIY option, I looked up the middle option. Where do they make tubs big enough for Rob Howe? Size, and like for me too, like I'm pretty lazy, so like I'm not going to clean it every day. Like I don't want to go to 7-Eleven and buy 10 pounds or 10 bags of ice just to sit in and yeah. It's not a good return on investment or like time. It's just a lot to do. A lot to do. It's messy. Mold grows in it, all this stuff. Ew. So I was like, okay, I gotta find the solution. And I found Renew Therapy. And shout I, out, I sponsor like, the pod, please. Like, this is so expensive. <laughs> I don't know if I can afford this. Like blah blah. blah. And at Christmas time last year, uh, my business partner gave me a, uh, a project because we like have given each other gifts so many times over the years. And like now, it's just like get yourself something. Yeah. So Okay, I'm gonna buy myself something that I normally wouldn't buy for myself. Uh, so I want you to do the same thing for you. And so I did. I was like, cool. I'm gonna buy this ice cream for myself. And it was, you know, like a midlife crisis level purchase. You know, like, it's better than a sports car. Better than a sports car. Better than Porsche. Uh, 
And so now I have it back in the back of the crib. I get in it every day. And so I'm going to be making content about it because it's really good for your brain. Um, and Andrew Huberman does a bunch of content about cold aversion and how uh, it triggers your norepinephrine and dopamine response, which is helps your brain fill with the good reward chemical. Gotcha. So I have a question. Yeah. What does it do for your diabetes, if anything? Like, do your blood sugars fluctuate while you're in there? So I really am not in there very long. That's okay. I only stay in there probably like most, most times under five minutes, sometimes like three, two to three minutes. Okay. So I'm not in there a lot. They say over the course of a week, you should get in there for 11 minutes. Okay. Okay. Seven days. Yeah. Okay. Got it. So a couple minutes every day. Yeah. 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 So that's about what I'm doing right now. Start the day or end the day in the tub? It's hard to do in the morning. I'll be honest. <laughs> like... But on a day where I know I'm going to have a really busy demanding day, I will do it in the morning. That's Damn. Damn. Uh, otherwise, like after I'll do it after I play basketball. And yeah. Recover. Sometimes I'll do it at night, but it kind of like wakes me up, so I don't really do it right before bed. But um, yeah, it's been amazing. I have to say, like diabetes-wise, it has not given me any sort of like measurable variance. Everything's been about regular. But I probably lost five to ten pounds. Oh wow! I need I need one. Yeah. I need a tub. <laughs> That's the marketable thing. If you just said it had a couple of weight loss, but yeah, it does like thermogenesis, like jumpstarts your body and makes your body like heat itself and regulates temperature, which helps you burn. So I could just get in the cold shower and do something similar. I'm a much smaller person than you. You're like humongous. Yeah. Uh, if you, you get, come, come by the crib. <laughs> no, I just, yeah. once he said 10 pounds, I was like, I'm in. Yeah. I don't mean, that's great. And so the other thing is like helping me with my athletic recovery Good. Mm-hmm. I've not been working out more. I've been working about about the same, and I'm at a very high level of conditioning right now. Playing high level basketball a few times a week. What about like your sleep? Has it helped your sleep at all? My sleep is about the same, but I fixed all that during the pandemic. Okay. With my whoop. So, like, with my whoop. <laughs> whoop helped me with my sleep, and uh, you know that if that's all it ever did for me. That would be enough. It's like really- okay. Last one. You're always talking about your hips. Has it helped with that? So my hips. Yeah, I do talk about my knees, hips. Don't lie. I mean. <laughs> Not Shakira. I don't leave her alone. I, you know, I really did um, because I'm not a very mobile human naturally, uh, and I play basketball, which does not um, it doesn't promote like mobility, like really hard on the joints, like yeah. your ankles, knees, and hips, which are your joints. Yeah. Uh, I did not have any internal rotation in my hip. I just like, and even though I was like working out and stuff, I was not knowingly like compensating in the wrong ways. And so I was debilitating my body's ability to move. Okay. In the cold tub was really the last, like the last infinity stone I needed. So over the years I've like been on the floor every day, rotating my hips in and out. I've gotten so good at it. Now I have like, if I'm in pain, I have my little routine, like just knock it out and I'm, and I'm good. Um, and the ice tub has just been the ice on the cake. Okay. And yeah, I can't say nothing's about it. It's healing my body, it's healing my brain. It's making me in shape and making you lose weight. Like, what more, what more do you want? All this to say, please renew tubs. Sponsor this podcast. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's great. We've, it sounds like a lot of things have happened since we last recorded. Other than the cold tub, we dropped the zine. It was this huge project. Um, so many amazing people came together to make it happen. And I feel like it was a very big labor of love, specifically from you. So I guess if you want to just share a little bit more about how it was to put it together or yeah. <laughs> I see like so many emotions going behind your eyes. Like it was 
a labor of love. I think that's the great, that's the best way to talk about it. it we were thinking about it yesterday, I was talking to Erica about like making all the content. So since we put out the zine, I made like 18 reels mm-hmm. a month or whatever, which is no, not a ton when you think about it like that, but it was a lot more than I had been making. And I think that was honestly just like a rebound, you know, when you're dating somebody and or like you're in your manic energy phase right now it's okay yeah, exactly. it's like an eclipse it's fine <laughs> all this crazy shit's happening but the zine was so much more work than i anticipated and also it was so much more rewarding than i would have given it credit to like we've done over 200 podcasts we've had amazing people on since day one uh, i've met amazing people through this platform and podcast but being able to work with creators was really cool and i think that's kind of really focused me a little bit more on like what our audience is and like what our place is in diabetes media is we're a place for diabetes creators so if you're a writer if you're a photographer if you're a podcaster or whatever like we can work with you to help get you paid or help create some art together or like make a project that's really cool and diabetes creators even the biggest ones are very small yeah uh, compared to the creator world yep so we are very niche but it's important to tell those stories and you know, for me, it's important to try to support, you know, beginner or smaller creators or people who have a story to tell. So we're going to continue to do that. Whether we continue to do a full, like, five-pod episode zine with... Layout. Like, layouts. And shout out Madison, who's our designer in residence. Here, the Navy guy. Uh, we're going to continue to tell stories that way. And it's also kind of gotten some buzz for, you know, in the community uh, you know, with whatever sponsors and things like that to say, hey, we are doing something cool here, something different. And uh, I'm, I'm really happy with the way it turned out. Shout out to everybody who downloaded it. Uh, free BG free till it's backwards. Uh, Period. Still in code. And, um, you know, I think if you want to pay to support what we're doing, we're going we're gonna to give money back to diabetic creators. Uh, and, and that's just going to be what we do. Uh, and if you want something for free, you'll also be able to get it. We're not going to gatekeep our content. Not gatekeep our diabetes content from people with diabetes. <laughs> So, you know, even more recently, I've turned down some things uh, that other creators are doing because they are paid. And most of the stuff that I do for you guys is free. I will make the brands pay. Yeah. They can and they should. So As they should. Uh, yeah. And, you know, with that, like, it's, it was more of a conversation with those things of like, okay, well, I'm not going to do this for you now. But if you're going to do something in for free down the road, let me know and I'll do it then. Yeah, absolutely. So I, all that to say, the zine was awesome. Uh, is awesome. We'll do more. Probably going to do more like stories, like one-offs, rather than like a full issue. Mm-hmm. But, um, it was a great learning experience, and uh, I'm very proud of the work that we did. Frankly. Yeah, no, I think the inspiration of it being for people with diabetes by people for diabetes is—it's something beautiful, man. It's nice to be a part of that. It's yeah, good. It's cool. and, yeah. You know, like, not, and also, not every creator is the same. Yeah. Find ways to give people some shine. Or share their specific perspective. You know, some people are more outspoken. You know, I think it's hard to say someone's more outspoken than me, but they've got more to say. (laughs) No, but they've got like, you know, an opinion, a perspective, something to talk about. And I think, you know, like you open the we tell the amazing stories of people with diabetes. That's the job. And uh, I think we did that with the zine and we're going to keep doing that. So I think, too, like the juxtaposition between people like Charlotte, who are like these world class performers, athletes, Mm -hmm. that anybody would be interested in hearing about. Uh, and then you know, people like Zoe who uh, are working to help marginalize people and help people get diabetes supplies. Like, you know, 
maybe that story wouldn't get told in traditional media. Although, shout out to Mutual Aid Dining. Absolutely. They're killing it. And shout out NPR. They're on NPR. Wild. Yeah, I know. Amazing. But anyway, I, all those things, those stories deserve to be told. Mm-hmm. You know, there's an all-time diabetes community homie, his trailblazer. Absolutely. And so, you know, give them the chance to, to tell their stories in a different way. And also, for people like Christine, like Larkin, mm-hmm. like you, who yeah. write and contribute to the zine. Even Madison, who's like a graph like legitimate graphic designer i just think it's cool that we're employing people who have diabetes to do the things that they already know how to do like let's just you know create art <laughs> uh, yeah, exactly. I, you know i uh what if diabetes was an advantage yeah it's, you know like it's not it sucks <laughs> it sucks we can give people you know an advantage like it's uh I don't know. I'm I'm all for it. It's, it's for us, by us kind of thing. And uh, there's plenty of stories out there, and plenty of creators are telling them. So plenty of stories. That's a great segue into the next part of today's episode. So we have been doing this thing on Mondays called the Mailbag, where <laughs> we've been asking people in the community their experiences, just questions that I think I don't know that I sit down sometimes. I'm just like, what do people have to say? And so I picked out some of the best ones from the last couple of weeks, and I wanted to ask you. The same mailbag questions, but also I'm calling you out because you don't answer my mailbag questions and you should. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's okay. So the first one that I liked was how often do you go to the endocrinologist? So you personally, Rob, how often do you go? You know, like I think traditionally they tell you like every three months. Uh, and maybe that's at the beginning and I think it shifts to six months or some people, I see some people go once a year to get their prescriptions renewed because I think that's how long they last. I go whenever my doctor tells me, which is generally like every six months. Okay. So I don't know, maybe maybe I do three or four, or maybe two or three a year. Two between. Okay. So the average listener answer was six months, which made me really reconsider my own diabetes treatment, especially since you just said yours is like two to three a year, because I go every three months like religiously. But I don't know if it's because I was diagnosed when I was a kid, so I'm just used to that. Well, I remember like saying I feel very similar. Yeah. Uh, when he gave me the option, he's like, yeah, I can see you in six months. Did I do something wrong? Are you mad at me? <laughs> so I listen to the doc and he tells me what, you know. There was someone that did say, um, and I'm not going to say their name because I don't, yeah, they said that they went seven months because they have better diabetes control. And I don't think that's accurate. That's why I also don't want to name drop them. But just go as often as you think you need to go. Yeah, and for, <laughs> for me too, this... I don't know. I, I've kind of gone through the last like four or five years like a radical shift in my care team. Mm-hmm. Just strictly, I had this great PCP primary care physician who was a family friend. Yeah. She gave me my prescriptions and I could get in her office easy. It was no problem. And she basically was like, hey, hey, my, my clinic is changing and we need to get you like a real endocrinologist. And that forced me to go find an endocrinologist, like get a dentist, like get a PCP. How recently it was? It was like 2018. It's not that long. Oh my God. So, because my diabetes control was great, and but I just needed to, something that I needed to be consistent. And so I think that doctor did you a favor. She put a kick in your ass. She was like, "Get the." Honestly, is like my a dentist. When you said a dentist, I was like, "She's mother." Of <laughs> I mean, but we talking about dudes. I'm talking about mental health. Oh, this is terrible. Y'all got walking around with yuck mouth. Actually, I cannot get into this. We have to do a full separate podcast. I could never deal with that. Like. Yeah. M- 
men yeah with yuck mouth like ew y'all just out here talking to people smelling nasty do better y'all see gucci Mane? do better that's the thing uh, you know periodontal uh, disease uh, with diabetes is like we talked about that on the pod uh, about complications yeah about uh, dr josh miller was mm-hmm. about uh, microvascular disease mm-hmm. there's a ton of blood vessels in your gums and you will have nasty ass to eat and girls will not want to talk to you and you're nasty just don't even say hi to me like keep that anyway let's move on to the next question <laughs> Probably that your teeth look like railroad tracks or something like that, or like um. Or somebody was like, "Why are your teeth so far apart?" Or something. I don't know. Being from Dallas is a terrible experience. They're like, <laughs> oh, they were like, "Your teeth look like boys and girls at a dance, far apart." I was like, "Oh shit! Oh shit!" <laughs> we be roasting. Okay. The next one was, um, what do you think impacts your diabetes more, time and range or A1C? Oh, I think probably time and range. Uh, although I will say, like when I get when I look at a time and range report, and then I get a good A1C, I'm like, did I, you know, like a like 75% time and range is like a great A1C. So like you could is it could be, right? So what's your best time and range, Rob, that you've ever seen? Like on yours, since you're Mr. Valedictorian Perfection Human Being. Well, I'm gonna put you on blast. Smart automated, so I can see like what percentage. <laughs> I'm using all the correct names because I know now I can only speak in on label. <laughs> Mr. Medtronic. Uh, so, the highest percentage of time of time in auto mode over a 30 day period I've ever had is 96%. Jesus. Grinding on those centrifuges. Y'all know we all the trying to know what I'm talking about. Wow. Uh, and I had 90% time in range during that. Dude, that's that intense. Was, that was like my best A1C I ever did. I was like five from eight. Wow. Just, just absolutely Now, on average, I would say my time in range is probably more closer to 80%. Hmm. And my time in auto mode is also about 80% because uh, I, you know, if a sensor expires late at night, I'm going to wait till tomorrow to change it. So, uh, that's me being honest. But yeah, I don't know. It's really cool to see time in range when we talk about access. If you don't have a CGM or uh, a glucose monitor that you can How do you know the information? Right. Well, you could, I guess, but I don't know. The biggest lie ever told was everybody had to fill out their glucose charts over that three months because y'all... Dude, I used to... Bruh, when you were a kid with diabetes, I was scamming. I was Anna Delvey in that bitch. I think I'm going to make a real be like fake writing in, a, in diabetes. Dude, dude. Dude, I used to I used to pretend that I had like done it on like Excel sheets and then like emailed it to my doctor, but then the, it just they wouldn't open. I had, did that trick like woof, 2003. As long as I'm not sure why it won't open, it's the technology. But um, so 82% of our listeners said that it was time and range, and 18% said A1C. It made me really think about the same thing that you said about maybe access, like maybe if you're looking at A1C more than time and range because that's the information that you have. But it just brings up the question that more people or the sentence that more people should have access to CGMs. I'd be really interested to see, to ask that question to that group of experts like you talked about at mm-hmm. that conference, because I think most of our followers and listeners are hyper-informed and have hyper-access or like big into the new technologies. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see somebody who's maybe not as into that or newer, uh, you know, to teach them about the difference. But there is a lot of advocacy going on right now about, I think, that, that group of people. Yeah. 
part of that is like getting more information and more studies about the impact of tiny ranks to make yeah. As opposed to A1C, just because A1C is so scammable, right? Because like if you are a person like me, a few years ago I was going through a lot of really bad nighttime lows, and then I have random during the day highs for hours. But my A1C was like five point nine. Well, it's an average, right? Yeah. I think, uh, Dr. Miller did a great job explaining it on our Zine podcast. So shameless plug, go listen to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also you can see all my numbers. But the, <laughs> you know, the glucose like gets around the cell and yeah. causes it, you know, so the A1C tracks if that's happening. So it is still a relevant measure. Uh, and I think also, you know, when you think about things like euglycemic, uh, or, yeah, euglycemic BKA, I think that's right. Yeah, the thing that he was talking about that I didn't even know was a thing. Sugar is like in range, but you have ketones. Yeah. You'd be able to measure it that way via, via A1C. So I don't know. I think it's... Um, Seems like an antiquated way to measure if we have another way to measure. I agree, but, uh, but I think that the, the nice thing about the momentum of it, if time and range is, is elevated to the standard of diabetes care, then CGM, that will power more CGM access. So I think Period. The pulleys and levers in those systems, uh, that I think is the main reason why the time and range should be, should be measured so that more people can get on CGM quicker. That's what's so exciting for me about working there. But anyway, yeah. Um, thank you for that. Uh, okay, so the last one was, what is the situation that makes you watch your diabetes closer? I'm just going to answer for you and say basketball. No, actually, I don't give a shit. Cause, uh, <laughs> he said I don't give a shit. Uh, the only reason I say that is because my blood sugar, when I was playing the best basketball of my life, my, who knows what my blood sugar was? It was like I had no CGM. My pump That's was true. I was, it didn't matter if my blood sugar was 400 or if it was 65. I had to keep playing. And so, we ball. so now if my like, pump will go off like during like in the game and I'll have to like clear notification, mm-hmm. which is annoying, but uh, it goes a little bit high and it comes down. That's basically what it does with basketball. So for me, I think it's travel. Okay. Uh, which I think some, some people answer. Mm-hmm. So yeah, when I'm on a plane, uh, you guys who fly a lot know, and I made this real about it, like when we're driving, like if you have to be sitting or driving or, or in a plane and like stressed out, dehydrated, uh, and you give yourself insulin for a high, like you're just gonna be sitting high for a while. Like, yeah. And then you want to rage bullets, but then you'll crash the minute you start walking around. So uh, maybe that's different for different people. I was actually going to ask you about that because when you were like, "Oh, I'm high sitting in the car," I go low sitting in the car for a long time. So I was just like, "What is this man talking about?" Like I didn't know that that was. But then people responded to your story, didn't they? Or say that it happened to them also. So maybe different strokes, different folks. I don't know. Yeah, I mean. It's just like not everybody responds to exercise the same way. There you go. I don't know. Exercise is a popular one too. Right? Mm-hmm. What are the main times? So, Carlos Diaz Fitness said traveling, which I thought was super relatable, especially recently for me. Um, Mary Cassim, shout out Mary, said when I've been prescribed a new medication by a doctor, I think that's a good one too. Because like steroids can make your blood sugar high. Is there anything that makes your blood sugar low? Yes. Uh, so. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to. Like, For wanna, you. I don't want to misspeak. Uh, like say, but yes, there are medications that cause you. Uh, you can be more susceptible to hypoglycemia. Okay. Uh, I don't remember exactly which one, but like for example, I was on a statin for a while. Okay. It was terrible. Like I would wake up disoriented. Oh. And like it, I had some low. Like so, that symptom alongside a hypoglycemia mm-hmm. can be scary. scary. Yeah. Like two incidents were really really bad. Uh, I didn't have a seizure or anything, but I was like 
blacked out. Like, that's scary. Uh, so we stopped that and I don't have them anymore. So I think, yeah, that's a great time to, to keep a closer eye on it. And then Casey, Bowties and Bowlers, shout out Casey for another pod. <laughs> he is an attorney, and so he said he watches his blood sugars closer when he's in court, which I thought was interesting because it's like, I guess you are in a setting where you have to be like very professional. Also, also focus, like not, you know, you don't want to have, I think that's the thing, like when I want to eliminate distractions, I want to know my blood sugars in range, so I don't have to think about it. Absolutely. And also like you are doing other things so it's like that thing you were talking about earlier where there's all these things in the back of your mind so like imagine you're like objection your honor but at the same time like i'm 71 right now and dropping like, like making, a, making a great point and then you're like hey. <laughs> <laughs> objection <laughs> from my pump this is ridiculous yeah i don't know those are those fun things i think we're talking about mental health awareness all the time. We've got to talk about how much people with diabetes numbers are in their heads. And yeah. Stuff. It's just very difficult. Uh, you mentioned travel, though. Yeah, I did. Are we done with this mailbag? Those were all the questions from the, the answers from the mailbag. I wanted to say thank you to all the listeners because you guys have been interacting a lot. I appreciate it. It makes my job easier. It makes it my job more fun. Yeah, it's nice. We are trying to, we're coming up with ways that's like literally a night on our list is like come up with ways to give our like most loyal fans more stuff. So this yeah. We're, we're digging into that. You guys, we read your messages. We're, we're, we're tapped in. And so thank you guys for tapping in. You had a tough time traveling with some oh. devices, which is not something that always happens, even though you are like a globe driver. Yeah, but now it's been twice. So last year when I went to Egypt, when I was coming back, like when I was flying from Egypt to Frankfurt, to Germany, I had an incident. So in international airports, they let you go through like one part of customs and then you go through like another what is it like? Right. The, well, let's talk through. So you land. You land. You don't get to go into the terminal. You right. Uh huh. Mm hmm. No, they always scan your bag if it's a country like Egypt or Turkey. They scan all your stuff and then they like ask you like, what's this? What's this? What's this? Which is fine. But also like when you're leaving, you have to co- you have to go through like another. It's called they check your metals, the metal detector. Yeah. So they they do it twice. Like when you right before you board the plane and right when you get off. Both times. I had this huge issue with my pump and it was really weird because I felt like if I couldn't defend myself, like if I spoke no Arabic, I could have been in a situation where they like fully removed my pump from my body. Cause this was a gentleman who was like, what is this? What are you doing with it? And he's like very aggressive until I like told him like, I speak Arabic. Like you don't have to yell at me. Like, are you a dog? I literally asked him, are you a dog? And he like, I lifted my shirt up. I remember that I lifted up my shirt and he was like, horrified to see my skin but at the same time like i'm trying to make my flight buddy and you are in my way sir so like what are we doing so i just feel like if i didn't speak any arabic and i only spoke english maybe you would have taken my pump away from me maybe i would have missed my flight maybe something else would have happened i kind of just brushed it off last year i was like whatever it's a one-off it'll never happen again and then this time when i flew into turkey i got to istanbul and when i was going through the metal detector again the guy gave me the hardest time but they don't speak Arabic in Turkey and they get really offended when you assume that they speak Arabic because they think they believe they're from like the Kurdish state, which what I don't know anything. I don't know enough. Please don't be mad at me, Turkish people. I love you. Great place. Anyway, Turkey's great. But the point it's fine. I have I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um the point is they were really upset with me and I didn't really know how to communicate. Like, this is my medical device. And like, here's a letter from my endocrinologist that's in English. And like, what do I do right now? Also, the police there wears like plain clothes. 
So they were like talking to me and I am a Karen sometimes. So like they were like telling, <laughs> they were like, hey, hey, hey. And I was like, don't say hey to me. I'm not a dog. Like, Inti Caleb, are you a dog? So I just had a tough time and I feel like there has to be a better way for us to talk to people about these devices that we're wearing and how to communicate appropriately in airports with foreign nationals where we're not in danger of well, something bad. A little bit because I might zag on it too. Yeah. Because like I, they see so many people going through and every day like there's gotta be people with diabetes and people with omnipods, next time. Yeah. Uh, Libres, like I'm thinking like different shaped like, stuff. Hip replacements and uh, pacemakers and IC stuff and colostomy bags. Yeah. Kind of stuff like people obviously who are disabled like have to still travel. Uh, and then you throw a language barrier on top mm-hmm. of it, or like somebody having a bad day or somebody calling you a dog uh, in, a, in a language that you don't recognize. Uh, you know, you could, and also I think there's there's different things that like, I, I had a, not an incident or an issue, but in China, I went to China, or like I was making a connection in China, and I was really worried because I don't have any way to communicate like yeah. Spanish and French, like romance languages, like it's not so bad. <laughs> yeah, your Lothario languages weren't going to help you out. <laughs> But in Chinese, like it doesn't translate, and so and also their police have, or their TSC people have AK-47s and like big old. And you're American, so they hate you. And they're laced. <laughs> uh, but for the most part, and you've been on an airplane 18 hours, like you're stressed out, you're trying to make a connection, and what happens if this goes wrong? So I don't know. Do you put like a I think medical ID bracelets or swagless? I'm not a big fan. I mean, I wear the one on the watch, which I think is good. But like, but also like how much more of my body do you need to see so that you can identify me as a disabled person? Like, is it because I don't, if I was in a wheelchair, would this be an issue? I think so. Like people, I see people in wheelchairs being, uh, going through major difficulties. That's true. Yeah. I would not want to have to. I saw this thing on Twitter. This lady in a wheelchair got left at a gate. Shut up. They just left her there. Like, is the person like couldn't take her to the next thing or the flight got canceled or something just left her there. And it's like, well, what's she supposed to do? So, yeah, I mean... I, she should own the airport now. You know, we get to, we get to be able-bodied in a lot of stuff. Yeah. Things, but, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. I don't know. Do you wear a sign? Do you wear a T-shirt? <laughs> wear some swag? I don't know, but I just... I guess I pose the question to other people who, who travel a lot. It's like, what do you do? I didn't want to ask it on the mailbag because it felt very niche, but if you do listen to this and you travel a lot, like, what is some way to combat those types of incidents? Because it just really seems fruitless, and I don't want to be, like, in an interrogation room without my insulin pump because that sounds really scary like no insulin pump no phone no idea what your blood sugar is it just i don't know it maybe gives me ptsd from the gentleman who went to jail and like didn't have what so it's just it's scary to think about yeah i think i just worry about like what could happen i start to catastrophize when people are like we're gonna take off your pump <laughs> yeah uh i don't know those are, those are good questions yeah real fears and things and like i think we talk a lot about you know, the toxic positivity, you can do anything you want. It's like, you can, but also, like, just know you may run into this issue if you're traveling abroad. Yeah. Where somebody doesn't know what your insulin pump is and they can keep you from getting into the country. Just be prepared in other countries is what I was yeah. really mostly thinking, like, especially as an American. Yeah. No, it is helpful. Yeah. And, uh, the likelihood is you'll probably be okay. Yeah. They will not, like, detain you or anything like that. They probably will let you go through, but make sure you're, you know. I mean, that's what happened in Turkey. The guy was just like, can I see where it's connected? I was like, would you like me to take off my pants? And he was like, no, that I don't want that. And I was like, okay, bye. <laughs> it was just... People get like real... Because, yeah, I mean, it's... it's If it's their first time, and they're like, oh, okay, well, 
mind. Never mind. It's not a big deal. It's not a problem. Also, I think they just like their TSA agents, or so they're like, this will be a quick one minute question, but now their shift is two hours longer because they decided to ask you about your insulin pump. Yeah. No, absolutely not. But yeah. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. Travel is in, you know, travel season. People are going places. Uh, flights are crazy. I hope you go. Yeah, flights are crazy. Plan ahead. Flights are getting canceled. Bring low snacks. Go get you some low snacks. Be prepped because... Yeah, what's been your biggest, like, travel? Oh, man. I've had so many. Where should I start? Where the fuck should I really even start? No. Um, <laughs> uh, I got delayed when I was flying to... When I was flying to Istanbul and I ended up getting stuck there overnight like seven hours in the DFW airport and it really, really sucked. And then remember, I, do I have to tell this story on the podcast? <laughs> the lady who tried to like beat up an old lady on the flight and I was like, no, yeah. So no, it's just, ba- basically there's some crazy people out in these airports. Be safe, carry your low snacks. Don't talk to nobody, wear your mask. I don't know, mind your business, wear your AirPods. I gotta fly out Thursday for the first time. For the first time? I wore my mask anyway. I'm not raw dogging air ever again. I'm for Connor because that's how I feel. And like, my sister and I were talking about it. Like, you know, if you fall asleep, like, your mouth's open. And like, I'll put my hand on my face. Like, I'm wearing a mask. Just, just so that my germs are not everywhere. Listen, I feel like I've been a... Nicki Minaj says she carried wipes in case a bum tried to touch her. Ew. I've been carrying wipes since then. Okay? I'm Walmart wearing a mask. Anywhere that there's a lot of people wearing a mask. Yeah, <laughs> I, I hate. I think it's a great. It's a great it's like for me, humans are gross when we're all in like a closed area. It's really nice, especially if you got allergies or you're gonna wipe your nose. Like, what are you gonna do? Wipe it on your pants? Like, it's gonna end up on the seat. It's gonna end up with my pants. COVID is rampant. COVID is still rampant. My boss got it this week. A lot of people are still getting it. It is just a part of our times now. People get it like the flu, and we move on, and that's great. But I don't want it. Keep that shit to yourself. I'm going to wear my mask. Uh, okay, last oh, yeah. My question. Okay, so. Uh, you have a question. I, I have a lasting question. Oh, wait, I have a lasting question. So a few weeks ago, you posted this thing, and I think the song was A Thousand Miles. And so I want to know what your white man song of choice is. So no, no, give me context. If you ask me, you send me the DM because I posted the. No, I put in your comments. It was a banger reel. It was a banger reel. Uh, whatever. It's still that white chick song. I said Carlton a thousand miles, and you asked. Is <laughs> I said, "Ask me on the pod." So this is that time. Okay. Uh, I don't think like I know that song, but I, I never really like rode for that song in a way that wasn't just like. You ride for white people's songs? <laughs> I mean, like occasionally, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, everybody rides for halfway there, like Bon Jovi. Wow! Like, come on, you look at a crowd. I can't wait to turn that into a GIF. Uh, anyway. So, anyway. <laughs> Uh, the, the, the white song that I ride for, I apologize for Creed. Uh, my wife says it's going to be Creed, but it's not going to be Creed. It's the Diary of Jane by Breaking Benjamin, which is not a good song. Are you okay? <laughs> can we can we get the video editor to my My like, pre-game checklist, my pre-game playlist when I was in college was like the most aggressive shit. And it started off with like Eminem and Nate Dogg. Like, I was all rap except for one song, Breaking Benjamin. Are you a sad little white boy? Like, now I have to listen to it. I haven't listened to it in God knows how long. Like, oh, it's giving me like that trapped song, that headstrong song. Is that your shit, too? Uh, yeah, 14 year old me was big into that song. Oh, someone hurt you. No, you're just an emo little Scorpio. Yeah, when you're going through it as a 13 year old, you're like, 
Oh my god. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. Okay, so last thing we will let you go. important diabetes news. I'm about to do something that I've not done in almost fifteen years. Do I know these this news? Uh you might. This could be a big reveal for you. Okay, tell me, tell me. I guess so. What's the tea? Spill it. So fifteen I've had diabetes for seventeen years. Fifteen years ago I got an insulin pump. I this month I'm gonna be taking an insulin pump. You haven't taken a pump in 15 years? I feel like you're lying. I did 30 days on... Yeah, I was going to say, didn't... Because I watched that before I knew who you were. I was like, this white man is out here buying shit from Walmart. <laughs> man is fighting for his life. Oh, it was terrible. I never... Yeah. Is there one thing you can learn from the 30 over-the-counter too But, yeah, that was basically the only time that I've been off of a pump. And so I'm going on Guardian Connect, the CGM. Go see your phone. Okay. Weeks, so. Is there a date for that? Are you gonna tell us? Uh, I actually was gonna do it already, but I just have a bunch of like travel and stuff coming up, so I didn't want to change it before I did that. So. I'm gonna pray for you, cause I did MDI and fuck that. Sorry. Okay, my body needs a break, and I just uh, real estate. Yeah, real estate. Uh, I could use some time for my sites to heal, and then when the 780G finally gets approved in, uh, by the FDA, then I'll go back on that. I'm excited to hear about your journey. And in the meantime, if you guys want to read about, read about a pump break, I just wrote an article about it for a diatribe. So go read it. Yeah, literally, it get, drops tomorrow morning. But yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> negative one reader liked. <laughs> Rob, actually, you wrote an article with us. It goes out tomorrow, too. Like, about, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to tag you as a collaborator tomorrow. Please accept. <laughs> Yeah, I love how we're intersecting diatribe and diabetes, but all that to say, I can't wait to see your, um, uh, oh, why do we have to tell everyone? It's a secret. Why are you airing our family business in public? Damn. <laughs> anyway, so you are taking a break and we'll have updates for people in, in our next episode and lots of cool stuff is coming and yeah. You're one of the people who emails me after you listen to the podcast. Email me your tips for taking a pump break. Yeah. Keep it locked.